Amen. Are we on? Yes. Amen. It's, uh, what's incredible that I've been reflecting on about Zimbabwe is that when the people knew they had... Sorry, Karen. When the people knew they had... When the people knew they had an army, it liberated their speech and their life. And, um, and that really sums up what this name of God is, is that is, it's literally the, the word means, or the name means, uh, well, the Lord of hosts is the sort of translation, but it's, some Bibles, the Lord of heaven's armies. And, um, and it's been encouraging to hear as some have been praying about freedom, because I believe this is what God wants to minister to us this morning, uh, about freedom, particularly uh, freedom from slavery, and so we'll get there. But um, last week, uh, Tim talked about the Lord's my shepherd. I don't have a stand-up comedy routine this morning. I do apologise. Um, uh, although probably someone might laugh at me at some point in here, but that doesn't count, does it? Um, but there are there. Are, sometimes you find these names, like the Lord my righteousness, is once in the Bible, and it really does focus your attention on what you're going to talk about in this name, it's mentioned, well, if you take Strong's Concordance, uh, it's mentioned 261 times. So there's a, a lot more to this name that we could go into. So um, what I'm going to do this morning, I'm going to run through a lot of the aspects of, of the Lord of hosts, and then just want to focus on what I believe God wants to minister about himself this morning into our lives at the end, because I think it's important that we don't um, overlook um, who God is in, and who he's presenting through this name. So uh, let's just pray, shall we? Father, we ask that you might reveal yourself to us, that we might know who you are, that we may live as people knowing who you are, that it may um, impact our decisions, impact our attitudes and our actions Lord, and it may bring us closer to you. So, Lord, will you come and do that for us this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. So, when you're looking in your Bible, if you've got an NIV, you might find, I don't know if you find the Lord of hosts, you might find Lord Almighty. Um, if you're in an NLT, you might find the Lord of heaven's armies. If you're in the message, you might find something similar, but probably um, along those kind of lines about angel armies and things like this. And the, the general... Um, message of this name is that God is a God uh, who with him comes a great army who will fight for us. He will do battle. He is a God of war. Some people don't like that last statement uh, because, um, and rightly so, they then worry that we become people of war and that's not what it means. Uh, God is a God of war. He is a God of battle. Um, there is a song that we, we haven't sung this morning, but is the battle belongs to the Lord, which is based on this uh, scripture. So we're talking about Jehovah Sabaoth, or Sabaoth, if you want to get the pronouncement right. Yes, Mark? Thank you, Mark. Um, but he is the one who will protect us. He is the one who will fight for us. He is the one who uh, is intimately aware of our situation um, he is personal, he is here with us, and the, all these kind of things I want us to just quickly sort of run through. But this is sort of my key verse this morning. 
And this is from Isaiah 44, verse 6. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. And uh, if you're in an NLV, you will notice, or in a NLT, um, you'll notice that the and his has been removed and maybe put a dash in there because the reason is, is because um, with those paraphrases, if you know the types of Bible, the ESV, which I'm reading from, is a literal translation. The NIV, NLT are paraphrased translations and the message is a, is a paraphrase, just more extreme kind of paraphrase. What they do is they do a little bit of interpretation for you. And what they've assessed is that in that passage, because it's talking about Israel, they've assumed that the his relates to Israel. But in the literal, you can also justify it, and you can justify that. That's not a big problem. If you want to read it that way, it doesn't mean that those Bibles are wrong. But equally, when you look at Scripture as a whole, which we'll do this morning, for me it's clear that the ESV's got it right to leave in and his Redeemer. And this is really important because what I want us to recognise this morning is that the Lord of hosts is Jesus. And so when we're looking at the Lord of hosts, when we're looking about Jesus, uh, um, about this name of God, it is, it is Christ. It is Jesus. So when we are talking about Jesus, when we're following Jesus, when we're praying uh, to Jesus... When we're, when we're reading in the New Testament about Christ and all these kind of things, all these things that we're going to talk about, the Lord of hosts, is Jesus. Now, I know Jesus is God, and this is the name of God, so that kind of makes sense. But I think what it does is it gives us this confidence in Christ. That Jesus is not like we will be celebrating in a month's time, this baby that came as lying in a manger. He's not just the good man who walked on the earth in Israel around about 2,000 years ago. He's not just a good teacher. He's not just a healer at that time. He's not just one of many messiahs that walked on the earth 2,000 years ago. This God, Jesus Christ, is the Lord of hosts, the Lord of heaven's armies. And... Um, so I think that what that should do is it should give us confidence whenever we think of Jesus. Amen? Um, when I've been studying this, this thought that's been in my mind as a kind of an action, a, a conscious kind of activity that we need to do, and, and this is what I've done to sort of sum, uh, summarise it, is that from this, we, our action from today is that we need to consciously engage Step into Christ through faith. And doing that, we step into the power, the deliverance, and the protection of the Lord of heaven's armies. In other words, you can listen to this and you can go, yeah, this sounds great. And then you can go home and you can fight your own battles. You can stand on your own in situations. But we have to consciously engage in this. And so I'm going to step into my situation and say, my God fights for me in this situation. So that's faith, isn't it? It says, I'm going to take these words and I'm going to live them out as truth in my life. So what we're going to go through, although we may go through a lot of it quite quickly, you can go away if you're, going, if you're writing down any of these verses, you can read and reflect on them. But I want to encourage you that this is about confidence in Christ, who he is, the Lord of hosts, so that we may consciously engage with this truth in our day-to-day -day life and Hopefully, that will become clearer by the end of it. Amen? Amen. 
So, here we go. Ten characteristics of the Lord of hosts. They're all starting with P, and I did not do that myself. I stole it from someone else. All right? There were actually 13, but I had to cut this down. Um, Ten characteristics. So, because there are 261 verses, um, each of these verses says something about the Lord of hosts. So, I don't want us to overlook that. So, we're going to do a quick kind of run-through. Are you ready? Let's go. We haven't got as much time now, because Jim took, you know. Um, Okay, the first one, personality. What is the Lord of hosts like? Isaiah 5.16. The Lord of hosts is exalted in justice, and the holy God shows himself holy in righteousness. Jeremiah 32.18. You show steadfast love to thousands, O great and mighty God, whose name is the Lord of hosts, great in counsel and mighty indeed. He is just and true, he is righteous, wonderful, he's a wonderful counsellor, he's showing steadfast love to thousands. Does this remind you of Christ? When it was said here in this other verse, in Isaiah 9 verse 6, prophesied of Jesus, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What do we know about the love of Christ? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes on him shall not perish but have eternal life. What these verses I want to show is, can you see that we're talking about Jesus? Yeah, this wonderful, this is his personality. This is what he's like. Um, preeminence. Uh, a few weeks ago we talked about the presence of God. Um, Isaiah saw God, and it says in chapter 6, verse 3, and here's 3 and 5, and one called to another, he saw this vision of the throne, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Tozer said, a person who has seen what Isaiah has seen will never be able to joke about the man upstairs or someone up there that likes me. In other words, when, you, when Isaiah saw Christ, he saw his own condition and he fell apart in the process because the Lord of hosts is preeminent. He is surpassing all others. He is, um, it speaks of authority, superiority, prominence. He is transcendent. He is beyond anything that we can ever imagine or understand of ourselves. He is beyond it. As it says of Christ, he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. When Isaiah saw the throne, he saw Jesus. Because Jesus, says in Hebrews, is the uh, exact representation of, Christ, of God. He is the image of the invisible God. When you see God, you see Christ. Presence. Haggai 2 verse 4, Now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst, fear not. And Jesus said, Surely I am with your ways, to the very end of the age. He is not only transcendent, beyond us, out of our scope, he is also imminent, he is with us in our hearts. God with us, Christmas 
is coming, isn't it? God with us, Emmanuel. Uh, people don't like this word, punishment. You could call it, uh, what's the word? Recompense. Uh, that's a new word for me. Coming to repay what is due. That could be positive and negative. He says, behold, I'm, we'll read it, I think, a bit later. Behold, I'm coming, he says. But punishment, he says in Haggai 2, verse 7, I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. And Isaiah 9:19. through the wrath of the Lord of hosts, the land is scorched and the people are like fuel for the fire. No one spares another. And there's a bit of a verse there from Jesus, which, let's read it. It says here, I saw, and this is what Jesus is like. I've said to people before, um, get to know Jesus now, because he is, a, he is a wonderful God of grace. He's a wonderful God of love. He comes to forgive he comes to wash us clean of all our sin. He comes to make us right with God. He comes to welcome us in into the family of God. He comes to bring a people that are divided, unity together. This is the wonderful God, amen? But when he comes the next time, he's not coming with this same attitude of love. He's coming in this way, and this is what John saw. I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. If you didn't know, that's another name of Jesus. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses, from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. When Jesus comes, if we are still on the earth, in the moment that he comes, I do not believe that is a time for repentance. I think it's too late. When he comes, he comes to make war. He comes um, to bring a judgment. This is the Lord of hosts. This is Jesus. See, when we understand Christ in this way, we don't make a light of sinning. When we see who God really is through Jesus Christ, we do not see a man who cuddles lambs. We see a man with a sword coming out of his mouth and a tattoo on his thigh and a blood-soaked cloak. That's, don't see that on a Christmas card, do you? Possessions, <clears throat> or you could say provision. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord. And it's said of Jesus, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. We don't, when we take up an offering, we're not giving to God, we're giving back to God that which is already his. But he doesn't need anything because he is God. But it's that process by which we worship God and we give to the work here when we take up our offering, but in other contexts we give as our sacrifice of praise and worship to the Lord. Peace. The latter glory, Haggai 2 verse 9, the latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. 
And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. And Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. You have to be mighty to bring peace. You can't, this is the interesting thing about Zimbabwe, is that in order for it to be at peace, the army has to be mighty. All along, when the army was with uh, Mugabe, there wasn't peace. You couldn't have done what they did yesterday. Isn't that right, Jim? You couldn't do what they did yesterday without the army being there. Peace is only peace because we know that God is mighty. Amen? Purposes. For the Lord of hosts has purposed, and who will annul it? His hand is stretched out, and who will turn it back? And even Jesus says, for, or it said of Jesus, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. In other words, God came with a, uh, Christ came with a purpose, and he fulfilled it. And that's a little pointer towards something I'll talk about later. Our God is a God of purpose. When he says he'll do something, he will do it. There is nothing that can stand in his way because he is mighty. He is the Lord of heaven's armies. There is no battle that can overcome him. There's no enemy that can stand against him. So if God's spoken something over your life, you will know that there is nothing can stand in his way to perform that in us. Amen? Amen. There was a preacher who I was listening to who said, um, uh, he said, um, your silence, oh, let me get this right, your silence is offensive to God. And, um, I mean, t- take this or leave this. I mean, I'm not that bothered. But I thought he said, he said, because when you hear words like this and nothing comes out of your mouth. Amen? Amen? Power, thus says the Lord who gives the sun for light by day and the fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. In other words, the power of creation. And Jesus, didn't Jesus, when he was on that boat, he um, rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still, and the wind ceased and there was a great calm. I mean, if we had time, we could go into more about the power of creation, the spoken word that brought about this world, the, the word of God, or the power of God's might with Jehoshaphat. If you remember the story of Jehoshaphat, when he sent, God said, stand and see the salvation of the Lord, and the worshippers went first, and they saw God destroy the enemy. Of Gideon, with his 300, of Elisha, when they surrounded him, and God said, Lord, will you open the eyes of my servant? And the, the eyes opened, and he saw the a myriad of angels and chariots, the, the Lord's army surrounding him. Uh, we could go into so many things about power, the great plagues of Egypt. What about when in Sinai, when God, um, uh, I was going to say landed, <laughs> that's the wrong word, on that mountain, and if, if anything touched the foot of that mountain, it would die. This is the same God, the power of God that separated the Red Sea and the Jordan River. Um, But one of the great things I love is this story of David and Goliath. Because what it says to me is that, and if there's any children, he must have been probably a teenager at the time or maybe younger. He went to war and saw these armies all, this is in 1 Samuel 17 if you want to read it. Um, And he had confidence 
in Jesus or the Lord of hosts. He had confidence in the Lord of heaven's armies and the, the army at the time did not have confidence in that. They saw this giant, they saw this big situation, they couldn't, um, but they didn't believe they could defeat it and this young shepherd boy comes up with his five stones and his sling and this is what he says. He says, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. He stepped into the power of God. And if a young shepherd boy can do that, we can do that. Whatever the enemy puts in, in our Way. And I think, you know, when we step into that, we step into the promises of God. We step into the boldness. Tim last week was talking about be bold. Be bold. And we can do that by stepping into this truth that God fights for me. Now, David went because he saw of this injustice against the name of the Lord. And so when we're stepping into these things where uh, the enemy is lying to us, keeping us and what God has for us, we can step into it in a way that will glorify God. Um, we got this thing, taking ground. We did that at the beginning of the year. We can take ground because the Lord of heaven's armies is here. And I really believe, I won't go into it now, that there is things happening right now because of what we did at the beginning of this year with the cafe and all that business, but more than that. Um, you can ask me about that later if you're interested. The power of God. Protection. God, in the whole of Psalm 46, um, is a wonderful psalm. Here's a few verses. The God, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. How, did you know, I don't know if you knew this, that, my brother and sister-in-law, which is, um, if you didn't know, Jim and Margaret's daughter's married to my brother. They went to the Philippines and they, there was an earthquake. And they were literally under the tables, weren't they? It was quite a frightening time. Um, the earth shook. I've never been in that situation. I don't know whether you've been in that situation. But I, for me, when the ground starts to give way, I, 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 I would be very unsurprised if I would not be scared. And this is this wonderful picture. When the mountains tremble at its swelling, he says, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Even though the world is falling apart, God can come and bring an end to it. In this case, in that second lot of verses, the end of war. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Protection. I don't know whether you've been reading in the news about, in 1995, Srebrenica, the war crime, the, um, uh, there was a, um, um, it was the um, Bosnia uh, conflict, the civil war. I don't know if people remember this. Uh, there was a situation, and the reason it's in the news now is because they've had about 25 years, I think, of war crime uh, investigations and, and uh, you know, judgment on, uh, these guys, like one of them this week, I think is the main person, I can't remember his name. But anyway, the situation was, was that 
uh, people were fleeing, they, and the, there were UN peacekeepers, um, and they had held up in Srebrenica in this place, and lots of people ran there to find peace, to find protection. And the Serb army came and overrun the peacekeepers. The peacekeepers didn't have enough weapons. They were unable to fight them back. And out of that, about 35,000 people were kicked out of the, the country that lived there. And about seven or 8,000, depending on what you read, of men and boys were executed and buried in the fields. And you can look at this on the BBC website now of someone who went back there. Because the peacekeepers could not protect. If, if we're going to have peace, if we're going to have protection, the army's got to be mighty. And this is the wonderful thing about the Lord of hosts, that if God is your protector, if God is your peace, he is mighty to withstand every enemy. Purchase. And, and this is the verse we read at the beginning. Um, I'm not reading it now, but this 44 verse 6. He is the Lord of hosts. He is he and his redeemer, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah 47, 4, our Redeemer, the Lord of hosts is his name, is the Holy One of Israel. Who is the Holy One of Israel? Jesus. Jeremiah 50, 34, their Redeemer is strong. The Lord of hosts is his name. He will surely plead their cause that he may give rest to the earth, but unrest to the inhabitants of Babylon. And it says in Titus, Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. He's not only powerful, he's not only our protector, he has also purchased us because he is our redeemer. And uh, here's a couple of verses about Jesus. For there is one God, there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. That's in 1 Timothy 2. And in 1 Corinthians 6.20, you are not your own for you were bought with a price. So glorify your God in body, in your body. Redemption relates to the purchase of a slave by paying either their debt or buying them off of their previous owner. Um, or uh, also known as paying uh, ransom. Paying their debt or paying the ransom. And it means basically that a slave was delivered from slavery by someone paying a high price for that slave. And in this case, when we talk about Jesus, is that we were bought out of slavery of sin by the payment of the precious blood of Jesus that was shed on that cross. There's a story of um, Abraham Lincoln. I don't know if it's true, but it's online, so it must be. <laughs> um, it's on <laughs> dailymail.com. Um, and it says that um, Abraham Lincoln went to a, a slave uh, auction and he saw this young girl who was about 17 years old and feared for her life if she was to be bought as a slave. And so she, he bought this young girl. And they took the young girl and said to her, said, you are free, I'm letting you go. And she said, what do you mean I'm free? Am I free to choose? Uh, am I free to make up my own mind? He says, you're free to make up your mind. Am I free to make my own choices? Then you're free to make your choices. She said, then I choose to go with you. Because the thing is, what could happen in that, and this is me embellishing this story a little bit, but 
as far as I can understand it, if you are a young 17-year-old black girl in that situation and you are free, you can be kidnapped and brought back into slavery. So she knew, I think, where can I go where I am free? I'll go to the one who bought me our freedom. Isn't that like Jesus? Even though I was a slave to sin, Christ bought me. Romans says that we are slaves to righteousness. A slave is someone who is forced to obey. When you are a slave to sin, you are forced to obey your sinful nature. You have no choice about it, and only by the redemption, by the redeeming power of God, by the buying of you out of slavery, can you be uh, truly free. Now, we may not be slaves in the traditional sense in this story, but um, we know that we we are or have been slaves to sin. But the Lord really put on my heart that there is slavery in hearts because of various other reasons. And remember, slavery causes us to obey things, a mastery over us. And I think some of these things are... Words spoken over us that we have believed. And that belief has got so deep into our hearts that we start to live our lives according to what people have said about us. And I think the truth's the same, that Jesus has redeemed you and I from words spoken over us. Fear and insecurities. We can be slaves to fear and our insecurities. Jesus, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of heaven's armies, has bought you out of slavery. Slaves to sickness. What I mean by that is, is that our sickness doesn't have to define who we are. Slaves to our conditions. What's your condition or what's your... um, The word escapes me now. Where someone has said, this is your condition, you've got to live with it. Label, I was thinking more of a medical word. Diagnosis. Diagnosis. We may have a certain makeup or natural condition, doesn't have to define who we are because we have been bought out of slavery. We don't have to be enslaved to a mindset because someone has recognized something about our physical makeup. God has set us free. And that verse that Mark read out earlier was on my heart in the prayer meeting. It's lovely to hear. And lovely to hear Margaret praying about freedom. For Christ is for freedom that Christ has set us free. See, I want us to get to grips with this great freedom that it isn't some kind of... um, If I was to go and stand in a court of law to defend someone, that's not good for the person I'm defending. If Marx goes up and defends someone in the court of law, he's got a much better chance, the person that's being defended. Probably will get away 99.9% of the time. Amen, Mark? (laughs) See, if the God, who is the God of heaven's armies, has fought for me and bought me, who's going to snatch me out of his hands, as the Bible says? Who's going to grab me and say, no, I'm going to enslave you again, back into this situation. Paul said to the Galatians, he says, 
He said, um, I'm paraphrasing because I'm trying to remember the verse. He says, you know, what has, what's gone wrong with you that you who have been bought and set free have now got yourself all bound up again in these old ways? And I had this picture in my mind or this word in my mind that we can carry around with us broken chains. Not just chains, broken chains. We're dragging around with us our slavery because we haven't yet grabbed hold of and stepped into the truth that it's the Lord of hosts that set me free. And I wonder whether some people are still believing the lie because the lie is the Goliath and they're still looking like the armies of Israel at the Goliath. And all you need to do is pick up five stones. Five is the number of grace, by the way. And this just takes one stone to topple the giant. Amen? Whatever you're enslaved to, Christ has brought you out of it. And this is the wonderful words of Jesus, um, or about Jesus. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Amen? Is this good news? If God is all-powerful, our protector, our redeemer, our confidence is that he is with us and there is no army, no battle, no storm or situation that can overcome me. No condition, no sickness, no word, no person, no spirit, no demon, no anything can stand against me or you. If you stand in Christ. Amen? There's a wonderful song. I wish we knew it. Um, maybe we will one day. From Shane and Shane. It's based on Psalm 46. And these are some of the words. O mighty one of Israel, you are on our side. We walk by faith in God who burns the chariots with fire. Lord of hosts, you're with us. With us in the fire, with us as a shelter, with us in the storm. You will lead us through the fiercest battle. Oh, where else will we go but with the Lord of hosts? In other words, when anything stands up against us, I can say confidently that you have no power over me. Do you see who's with me? Have you ever heard these stories of people walking down the road and someone was going to attack them and they didn't? And then afterwards they said, why didn't you attack them? Did you see the guys that were with that woman? I imagine the Lord is with me right now on this stage, the armies of heaven with me. Amen? If anything stands up, you can bind it up in the power of Jesus. And so this is our final encouragement. Are we going to step into the power, deliverance, and protection of Christ, the Lord of hosts? Are we going to step into it like, is it summer? Yeah, yeah summer just stepped into the stage right now. And you? Good. So I'll just finish and then you can, yeah? This is like... This is like the, um, the end of a good joke. It's that, it's that crucial point. Yeah. I'm t I'll talk. I'll talk and then you look. We're telling people that we're going to step into the promise of Jesus. Amen. So this is what we're going to do. Isn't she lovely? Step, thank you, Dave. Step into the power of Christ. I think we should do that now. And this is what I'll, I want to do is I want you to invite, if there's things in your life that are, a, oh, I'm just talking. <laughs> if there are things in your life that have overcome you and you know it, it could be fears, it can be sin, I want you to invite the Lord of heaven's armies to come and make, you're taking all the attention, <laughs> to take 
Amen. I will get to my point. The spirit hasn't stopped moving, don't worry. But this is, Summer, let me talk now. Let me talk now. But I want you to picture this. We open up our hearts, our minds, our being. We say, Lord, will you make war against sin in my life? Will you make war against the wrong attitudes and unbelief in my heart? Yeah? Will you make war against all the lies of the enemy that have filled my mind? And God will come and he will just root it out. I believe that. Let's pray. Let's stand together. and Maybe the uh, worship team can come. Remember the saying, Lord, that says, don't tell God about your big problems. Tell your big problems, tell your problems about your big God. Lord, we come to the Lord of hosts, the Lord of heaven's armies. Lord, we uh, just reveal or open up our hearts to you and we say, Lord, there are things in our hearts, in our minds, in our memories that have been spoken over us, Lord. We pray and ask, Lord, that you come and make war in our hearts and in our minds. Lord, you are a mighty God. You are our protector. You are our redeemer. Lord, and I just want to declare over us this morning that we are free in you when we believe that you are our salvation. Lord, we step into that by faith. We believe it by faith, and I declare it over this congregation. Lord, in the name of Jesus, that there is freedom from sin, there's freedom from fear, there's freedom from the lies of the enemy, whether it's coming to our minds or through another person. There is freedom from fear, Lord, even of men and of other women and also of the enemy, Lord, because you are our defender, you are our protector, you are our power, Lord, and you are our deliverance, Lord, and we declare that this morning. Lord, and I just, I encourage each one of us, if you need to step out into this physically, step out, even into the corridor or into the side, into the, into the middle, whatever, step into it, believe it, receive it. If you want to, someone to pray for you, then come down the front and someone will pray for you as well. Amen.